Okay, what the hell was that? <laughs> what was going on? Benny's Beer Fest is what that meme is called. Uh, I haven't actually seen the movie. We saw a beer fest last night with Vivek Ranswamy right here in South Carolina. We are in Columbia, South Carolina broadcasting right now. We've been crisscrossing the state. This is the political epicenter of the universe right now. Donald Trump versus Nikki Haley. What the hell is Nikki Haley even doing here? And more importantly, what will Donald Trump do to solidify the MAGA movement, the America First movement, and win in 2024? Nikki Haley, what is she up to? Man, we have been hitting the streets and asking. Ladies and gentlemen, today is Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. We went today to Nikki Haley's hometown. This is what in the arena really looks like, ladies and gentlemen, because, well, we wanted to show you something that most wouldn't. We want to show you something that's very painful, very tough for a guy like me, because I'm from small town America. I know what small town America looks like and the pain that they are experiencing right now. Small town America is the fabric of this country. It is the absolute core of this nation, and it is being gutted, eroded, and destroyed by globalists like Nikki Haley. And it becomes very painful as you drive through these small towns, as you drive through these little hamlets in America, and you hit the potholes, and you look at the loved, beloved general store and brick facades of the crumbling downtown, and you recognize that everything the America used to be well, is being stolen in real time, is being soaked and sucked dry out of these little communities. And we had a instinct about Bamberg, South Carolina. We just got back from there a second ago, and we're working overtime to get a edit together, and we'll release it tomorrow morning. But we wanted to share with you a little bit of our thoughts and experiences as we were there just a few short moments ago. We'd never been to Bamberg, South Carolina, uh, and so we went with no real preconditions except for two quick things. One, we know this is the hometown of Nikki Haley. She is, she is the uh, claim to fame, right, for Bamberg, South Carolina. It's about an hour from here. Two, we know that Nikki Haley says that this town treated her horribly. She claims that it was a racist place, it was a vicious place, and that she was discriminated against, that she was a victim the entire time she was there. Now, we went and researched those claims uh, on their own merits. But we also noticed something pretty shocking when we got to this town. And while there are signs saying this is the hometown of Nikki Haley, and while everyone there knows who Nikki Haley is, Nikki Haley has done nothing for this place. The hometown of Nikki Haley is in total and complete ruin, is in total and complete collapse. Not even the Burger King has remained open. The hometown of Nikki Haley is suffering as severely as anywhere in America from Nikki Haley's policies. This was a shock to us. This is would be a shock to, I assume, anyone. And with an ounce of self-respect, dignity, and humility to say that my globalist policies and stealing hundreds of billions of dollars from the equity of the American people and giving it to foreign nations is not work working out horribly. All you need to do is go to Bamberg, South Carolina, to see that, ladies and gentlemen, true America in decay. Yet, the queen of Bamberg, South Carolina, the hometown hero, Nikki Haley, says, huh, it's America who needs foreign countries. Check this out. 
last thing we need to do is to tell Israel what to do. The only thing we should be doing is supporting them and eliminating Hamas. It is not that Israel needs America. America needs Israel. They are the tip of the spear when it comes to this Islamic terrorism, and we need to make sure that we have their backs in that process. So America needs Israel. So somebody who wants to be a Republican candidate for president. What an insane thing. I don't care what party you are. What an insane and grotesque thing to say, especially when your hometown, ladies and gentlemen, is in total and complete collapse. Nikki Haley, of course, is in favor of the hundred billion dollars that the Senate just voted to send to every foreign country abroad that they could possibly get their sticky little fingers on, or at least any country that could money launder the cash back to them. Nikki Haley says, let's go full bore another hundred million to Ukraine right now. This is the most important issue in America, says Nikki Haley. Watch at war. This is about preventing war. We should give them the equipment and ammunition they need to win. It is only three and a half percent of our defense budget, and it saves us in the long run from having to send more resources or any of our men and women to do that. We so a hundred billion dollars more for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan. That's on top of the hundreds of billions that we've already spent and the hundreds of billions we spend every single year on foreign foreign aid, which is really just our elites money laundering to other elites in other nations. And who suffers from that? The people of Bamberg, South Carolina. Now, what I'm about to show you is just a small clip of what we went and captured today in Nikki Haley's hometown. But we thought that it would be instructive for you to see that the real war zone the real town that has been decimated is not on some eastern front in Ukraine. The real town that is really suffering through what looks like a third world war zone is Nikki Haley's hometown. And the true attack on that hometown wasn't from some Russian bomb, but was from Nikki Haley's policies herself. Check this out. What's up, guys? We're in Bamberg, South Carolina today, Nikki Haley's hometown. Nikki Haley wants to send $100 billion to foreign nations. But has she seen what's going on in the place she was born? Has she seen how crippling, poor, and devastated her hometown is? Check this out. This is the main street of Bamberg, South Carolina. The entire place is effectively a disaster zone and has been a disaster zone. Quite a while. Is what people tell us. And it destroyed city because of the hollowing out that globalist policies that make Nikki Haley filthy rich but impoverish towns like this. Everywhere you look are for sale signs, devastated buildings, devastated communities, rot, and these people deserve better. It's really sad. Demonstrate how cruel the policies are of Nikki Haley and how cruel these people actually are. The little businesses, look at this. How are you supposed to raise kids here? Look at these giant panes of glass. How are you supposed to live here? How are you supposed to start a business here when there's, well, who would want to bring their business to a building like that? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the result of globalism. This is the result of failed policies 
places he's from. This is a place she brags about a lot or calls racist or says she's the victim of some type of horrible crime here. But the actual crime is what Nikki Haley and globalists and neocons have done to this place. That's the true victim. True victim are the sweet people of Bamberg, South Carolina, who've been destroyed by the policies. Important to see it with your own eyes. Sad. It's very sad. And it's particularly egregiously sad when you consider the fact that Nikki Haley often uses this town as a punching bag. How much damage can one person actually do to their sweet little hometown? This was the place she was born. This is the place of Nikki Haley's birth. She uses this town as a punching bag and pivots immediately as soon as she can to telling us how much we need to fund a war in Ukraine. How much we need to take, steal, in fact, the equity and the future and the value of the poor people who are barely getting by in her hometown, squeeze every last drop out of her home city, suck the blood out of her hometown, and then take that equity and hand it to people who don't speak our language, who don't follow our traditions, who've never met us in a war that doesn't affect us in a confrontation that is a border dispute 5,000 miles away from Bamberg, South Carolina. She has utterly and totally neglected the people of her hometown. It was grotesque what we saw. And it becomes even worse when you put it into the stark relief that Nikki Haley can't even name the regions she wants to send money to. So everyone in Bamberg, trust me, we went and asked. We stood on the street for the entire morning through the afternoon, talking to everyone who would come up to us and speak to our mics. And we have that in the edits right now. We'll get that up as soon as possible. But for this show, ladies and gentlemen, for our In the Arena show, we wanted to effectively sh uh, demonstrate the evils of Nikki Haley's foreign policy, the evils of Nikki Haley's worldview, and the asinine bitterness that is welling up inside of people when they see clips like this. And I'll tell you, I'll just preface this by saying that every single, pro we wish you could play the clip right now. Every single person, we spent the whole day filming, every person we spoke with, Democrats, a lot of, so there's some Democrats, plenty of people come up to us and say, we're gonna vote for Joe Biden. But every person was like, actually America first. We asked every person if money should be spent on fixing Bamberg and the potholes there and the buildings there and the decaying city and the 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 the, the utter collapse of that precious little American community. What's happening in tens of thousands of American communities right now, including the one that I was raised in, or whether they'd prefer that money be spent in Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, or wherever. And to the to a man, to a woman, to a resident of Nikki Haley's hometown, every one of them. Even the Democrats, even the tried and true Joe Biden voters were like, no, that money should be spent here. That's actually our money. These people are paid to represent us. And there was a clip that we played for them that really punctuated all of this. We played them this clip of Nikki Haley being asked, hey, um, can you even name the regions in Ukraine you wish to fight for, lady? Here you go. 
Foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position, with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden, who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the U.N. and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's her puppet masters right there, the donors. The donors right there that are playing about the puppet masters. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we apologize. Again, we are on the road. We are broadcasting from what is effectively a closet right now in in South Carolina, and we lost our camera there for a second. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, just wanting to confirm here, confirming with our team, we do do the show live. We are in the arena live, but we are on the road right now. It's the point of the show, right? To take you actually into the arena and out onto the road. And that is what we experienced today. Okay, so we are back. We, we apologize. We lost our connection there for just a moment. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we got something exciting to show you, actually, from our time here in South Carolina. And while we uh, process and come to terms with what we saw in Nikki Haley's hometown, and as we get those responses together from her poor, the poor citizens who've suffered under the policies of Nikki Haley, uh, we have some positive news also to report to you. Donald Trump, just one night ago, right down the street from where we're broadcasting, uh, spoke with Laura Ingram and confirmed his vice presidential selection list. Now, Nikki Haley was not on that list. Ah, that's a good thing. Sounds like we are, uh, sounds like our, our work here is just getting started. But Nikki Haley not on the list. That's an improvement. Who was on the list? Let's have a listen. Audience has uh, been asked who they think would be a good choice, and various names came up. Um, uh, one of them was, of course, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yep. He's made a big splash. Ron DeSantis, who's making making an appearance today in South Carolina. We just found out. Um, obviously, Tim Scott, Byron Donalds, and a a big uh, presence here for Tulsi Gabbard. Um, very interesting. Um, our, and Christy Nome as well, I should say. Right. Our, our, are they all on your short list? And when can you when can we expect that you will so announce your choice? The one thing that always surprises me is that the VP choice has absolutely no impact 
it's whoever the president is. It just seems uh, I remember when Sarah Palin was actually picked and she did have a big up. And then uh, they just went after her at a level that nobody seen. The Republicans themselves went after what they did. But you'll be a one term president because you've already served. Yeah. So you can only serve for one term, although they say you'll never leave office. I assume uh, yeah, that you'll do. never leave. There'll never be an ele- another say, election. Don't again. do it. He'll never leave. He's yeah. never going. Oh, these people. <laughs> OK, it's very interesting. So the top of the list, the first name mentioned was Vivek Ranswamy. And you're starting to see that. Now, we do plenty of polls on this program, and we realize that there is uh, quite a grassroots connection with Vivek. And it has astonished us. The polls that we've done, where we pit Vivek right against Tucker, Vivek wins two to one. Do you agree with that? Let us know in the comment section. Who do you want to be vice president? If you were paying attention, which is our superpower, we don't claim to be particularly smart, we just try and outwork everyone. That's why, that's why we're here broadcasting out of a closet. And so also, ladies and gentlemen, why we are here talking to, well, one of those contenders, one of those vice presidential candidates, the one who has surfaced uh, quite effortlessly to the very tip top of the list, Vivek Ranswamy. Our superpower is we work hard and we're alive and we pay attention. Pattern recognition. Check this out. Here's a clip of Mar-a-Lago last week. Now, there was no announcement here. There was no grand plan. We hadn't been told. We were on all the lists and everything that the two of them were going to walk in to Mar-a-Lago, along with a very rare Melania Trump sighting. Why is that? Melania Trump has been in the hospital at the bedside of her mother, who sadly passed away. Melania Trump has not uh, been on the campaign trail for that reason. And so this is, uh, quite frankly, um, quite rare for her to be out and about. And then there's a Favek and a Porva walking in to Mar-a-Lago with Donald Trump. Does that look like a ticket to you? We just pay attention on this channel. Now, there is somebody who has been going at Nikki Haley harder than Donald Trump. Donald Trump's been particularly savage against Nikki Haley over the last couple of weeks, but hot damn. Vivek's been calling that shot out from a thousand yards. And he has been uh, saying that South Carolina was where Nikki Haley was going to end her campaign. Interesting headline here from The Economist. Nikki Haley is losing to Donald Trump on her home ground. How could that possibly be? (laughs) We thought this was an interesting headline. The Economist, of course, would never come here, rent out a bar, and invite Vivek to come and answer some of these questions and to listen to the South Carolinians here in Columbia, South Carolina, which is the state capital where Nikki Haley was governor for two terms. But we certainly would, ladies and gentlemen. And so less than 24 hours ago, we had our Benny Brews live. Benny Brews rented out a brewery here called Savage Brewery. Perfect. Run by uh, special ops guys. Awesome place. Couldn't recommend it enough. Uh, we were uh, joined by our friends at Angel Studios for a awesome event. They helped sponsor our Benny Brews, where we brought on Vivek. We had thought for a long time that we would be doing this live for the In the Arena audience, but Vivek had a last-minute schedule change. Had to do it uh, yesterday night. Couldn't do it on Thursday, so here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We decided that we would do a full behind-the-scenes backstage, backstage onstage filming of this event and show you sort of what, what it was like. And this is a particularly newsworthy time, obviously, for Vivek and a particularly newsworthy place with a very, very newsworthy audience. And let me just give you three takeaways before we roll um, the behind the scenes from last night that's gonna be really, really interesting. You're gonna love this. A lot of interviews, a lot of cool stuff. 
Three takeaways. One, the audience couldn't stop chanting VP at Vivek. Okay? That's just a matter of fact. It was hard to actually moderate this because the audience was so loud and rowdy chanting VP at Vivek. Two, the audience here was very excited. Like, it was wall to wall. There were people, when we drove by the brewery, you can check it out here, there were people lined up, like, down the street and around the corner waiting for our Benny Brews event, which was, one, an honor, but also, two, shows, obviously, sort of the the draw power and star power of Vivek. Three, I think the answers on the future of the country from Vivek has gotten a lot of attention, including a bunch of retweets from Elon Musk's uh, Elon Musk on X uh, over the last 24 hours. So Elon Musk was paying attention to last night um, and following along, and this is what we believe... Um, was the most important uh, responses to Vivek on these tough questions and also the behind the scenes of where we are heading next. Ladies and gentlemen, South Carolina in the arena with Vivek Ranswamy. Let's go. Yo, what's up guys? We just arrived here in South Carolina. The brewery we drove by on our way in. There's a line out the door and around the block waiting to hear from Vivek for our event. I can't wait to try the beer. I don't know if Vivek drinks actually, so we're gonna find that out today. And we are hyped to be here. Savage Brewery, I think it's gonna be a savage night. Let's go. I you son of a that. bitch. I that. <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to play it close to the chest. Walks in with Corbin <laughs> Melania in the morning. Hello! Hello! Hello. Hello. Just trying to be low-key. There's, there's many ways to drive change. <laughs> I mean, you, so Nobody so knows you're going to be there. Trump just walks in with you and a Porva. I'm more libertarian leaning. Yeah. But, but if you're his VP, I mean, 1,000% you've got my vote. So I appreciate that, man. That. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think like MAGA at its core, much of it at least, is I think can be framed as a libertarian nationalist movement, right? I mean, like the Libertarian Party, libertarians, some of them don't want borders and want, you know, states to be able to secede from the union. I'm not for that stuff. But if you're for national identity, national boundaries, but you otherwise stand for not incremental, but massive quantum leap downsizing of the government, I think that's kind of like a definition of America yeah. first, mode yeah. going forward is libertarian nationalist movement. Um, uh, guys, we got like a packed house. Like, what? Where, I think we should. Yeah, let's so, do it. So Good spot you picked. So we're in the yeah. jail. Thank you for thank you for being part of it, guys. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. 
So, so, here's the question. All right. There's only one Republican still running for president. Accurate. There's one secret Democrat running for president. And then there's a guy who doesn't know he's running for president, running for president. <laughs> but here's my question to you. We are in the great state of South Carolina. Yet, in our drive through this beautiful state, I didn't see a single Nikki Haley for president sign. Now, that just shucks, because I can't square it, Vivek. Mm. I don't consider myself a particularly smart man. But you'd think that since she talks a lot about South Carolina, and since she claims to be from here, and this is her claim to fame, that there'd be more Nikki Haley signs. Why are there no Nikki Haley signs in this state? So I've noticed something pretty interesting in this state is a lot of state representatives, people who have lived here for a long time. The longer they've lived here and the more they've known her, the less likely they are to actually want to vote for her. It's actually <laughs> it's fascinating. It's actually really interesting. I met a guy earlier today who said that actually Nikki Haley personally called to ask for her support. His exact response to her was, I would not vote for you for dog catcher, let alone for president. It's somebody he's known for 20 years. So these are just interesting observations for me. It's not a criticism. I'm just saying what I've seen here today. I was at Aiken earlier today, which is a great community, met a, a, a fantastic company there, AGY that literally the people there are pissed. And the reason they're pissed is about 50 miles away, there's a Chinese company that was given special incentives to come here to outcompete what was one of the greatest glass fiber makers here in South Carolina that was at a competitive disadvantage because their governor wrote checks to communist China to come over to this state. And so it's interesting for me is, whatever I say about the policies, and I don't know how many of you saw the debates, but I did uh, have my share of differences with, with Nikki on the, on the debate stage. <laughs> But uh, did, did you guys like those debates? Yeah. <laughs> Savage Vivek. We had uh, we had we had some fun up there. But Dick Cheney in three-inch heels. That's right. That's right. Oh man, see, spice. The thing is, people people said you were so gutsy to ask her those three provinces in Ukraine. I had no doubt in my mind that this woman who is fighting for sending our military equipment to places like Ukraine instead of defending our own border had no clue what provinces of Ukraine she even wants to fight for. There was, there was no doubt in my mind she had no clue what she's talking about. But I think one of the things you're seeing here is this should be the place where the race ends as of this Saturday. I mean, this thing's done Saturday night right here. She, she made an announcement, though. So I did a press conference in Aiken a couple of days ago. She did a press conference where the announcement was that she would not be dropping out after the South Carolina primary. So I have a novel idea, actually, for her. She should drop out before the South Carolina primary. <laughs> and we can end this thing, too. So I think that that works for me. But, uh, but, but, but regardless, I, I think it's important to people to see what's going on here, right? Macro picture. It's easy to dunk on a given candidate. It's almost not worth the time picking on Nikki individually because she doesn't matter. She's a symbol of a deeper cancer in American politics that exists in both parties, by the way. This is not a Democrat versus Republican thing, really. Basically, there is a system that has long wanted to narrow this down to a two-horse race between Donald Trump and a puppet who they could control, eliminate Donald Trump, and then trot their puppet into the White House. Puppet number one is Nikki Haley. Now, one of the ways you avoid a problem, and Benny and I have talked about this actually over the course of this campaign, is when you see a problem that's lurking, the best way you solve that problem is first, name it. Name it unsparingly. Then it makes it very hard for them to enact their plot. And so now that became harder when that's hiding in plain sight.
I mean, this is an example. Again, this is not specific to Nikki Haley. It's about the system. She didn't even compete for delegates in Nevada. See, Ron DeSantis, myself, Donald Trump, we we're all in the Nevada caucus. She's not even the Nevada caucus. She's going to get like ba basically zero or close to zero delegates here, fewer than five delegates coming out of South Carolina. The game isn't to win the delegates. It's to eliminate Trump and then trot her in. If they don't want to do that, the backup plan is put her up on no labels, take votes from Trump in the general election. And then mark my words, we're here sitting around talking about beating Joe Biden. It has nothing to do with it. It's beside the point. Joe Biden's not going to be the nominee. And so one of the things we've got to do better as a movement is we've got to skate to where the puck is going one step ahead and then you know benny you're good at this i think it takes people who are a little bit unshackled to say in public what they'll say in private at the dinner table you got a lot of other people that agree with things you'll say but they're not they're not as brave to be able to say them out loud saying it out loud is important though because it actually forces the system to acknowledge its own hypocrisy and so that's what's going on with nikki the people who are putting her up are the same people who have been paying for the lawsuits to keep Donald Trump off the ballot in a game where they're not even collecting delegates, the obvious game is to eliminate Trump from the ballot. But once you say it, it then becomes a lot harder for them to act out the plot. And that's why our side needs to do, I think, a lot better of a job than we have in staying one step ahead and in whatever small way I can, you know, I've been doing in this race and I'm going to do for the rest of this year until we get Trump elected. Amazing. You... The night that you decided to suspend your campaign, you endorsed Donald Trump yep. on stage. And now, ever since then, 24 hours later, you joined Trump on stage. And everybody starts yelling VP, VP, VP at you with Donald Trump on stage. Since then, Trump calls you a dynamo. Trump says, Vivek, he's perfect, he's perfect. You've clearly become close because y'all are wa strolling in as a couple yeah. with Melania and Aporva into Mar-a-Lago last weekend. And Trump speaks really highly of you. Trump doesn't speak very highly of a lot of people who ran against him for president. Just look at Chris Christie. See Chris Christie, right? <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump says that Ron DeSantis should be like manning a pizza place or something like that. And Donald Trump is obviously going really hard at Nikki Haley right now. What's your relationship like with Donald Trump? How has that changed since yeah. you decided to suspend your campaign? Uh, what's, that, what's that ongoing process? Because I want to ask a question probably for the people here in the room right now and certainly for my audience, which is everyone wants that energy, that Vivek energy that we saw on the stage. We want that energy infused Thank you. into the party, right? Like, we want that infusion, not the kind of infusions Joe Biden gets every night, okay? <laughs> Different. We want that young, energy, quick-witted, spry. You're sitting there going, Christian Welker, you're a Russia collusion gate hoaxer. Why are you asking questions at a Republican debate, right? Why isn't Tucker Carlson asking a question? Why isn't Elon Musk asking a question? And it's why is so Ron McDaniel hiring these clowns to actually run our party and, and run our party's debates? But I'll tell you, this is, I have been most impressed. I mean, there's a lot, everyone knows publicly about his policies and it was successful for the country. And, you know, that's why he's the runaway likelihood to be the next president. What's me the most about him is he's also actually very receptive to the best ideas presented to him in the right way, right? He's not a guy who's just dogmatic, doesn't want to listen to other people. To the contrary, I think he's actually really open-minded to any idea that's going to make this country a greater country, mm. right? And so I think that that's actually the mark of a true leader. 
And, and one of my goals for this year is to do whatever small part I can to make sure the public that's voting for their president sees who that actual president is rather than the filtered nonsense that much of the mainstream media has created for the American public. And if we do that in the next 10 months, I think this could be a Reagan 1980, 1984 style landslide for the country. And I think, I think we're going to do our homework and deliver it. So that's what I think is happening. You've been a surrogate. It, it doesn't seem like, it, I mean, maybe you can say this to your fans in the room, you're not going away. No, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> we're sticking around. <laughs> Save the, do whatever we can for this country. And this country isn't going to be saved by some Messiah coming from on high from the White House. Not Donald Trump, not me, not anybody else. It doesn't work that way. We each have our own role to play. And so I can tell you, I've gotten to know Donald Trump. Donald Trump is going to play his role. I promise you I'm going to play mine. You're playing yours, man. I think there's an important role for the media, especially outside of the corporate media, to play its role in highlighting what those who live in the confines of corporate media are unwilling to touch. But it's going to require every one of you in this room to play your part, too. And a hard thing to do is look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, what are my unique God-given gifts? Every one of us has our own unique gifts that nobody else has. The hard part is figuring out what that is. But once you figure that out, then you have a duty to say, how am I going to use those God-given gifts to do what is right, including what is right for this country in the short time that we have? And I, I do think it's a short time that we have. Right? I mean, we, we have kids of similar age. If our kids are in high school before we get this right, I don't think we have a country left. Mm. And if we screw that up, we'll be the generation that squandered what our founding fathers gave us 250 years ago. That comes with a sense of responsibility. And so that's when I tell you I'm not going anywhere. That's what guides me. When I don't know what position it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be in the government, out of the government, whatever it is. I'm going to do my part to use my God-given gifts to help save this country. And if each of you do, too, I'm confident we're going to be better off for it. One, how is Donald Trump aging in reverse? Yeah. You, you know him better than many. Two, you heard him on stage last night, not too far from here, in this state. And the host on Fox News, on the top of her list, for VP, she goes, Vivek. And the crowd goes wild. And in this crowd, we hear nothing but VP being chanted in this brewery. For those on the live stream, they're not chanting Nikki, I, I assure you. You know what's a question you're going to get, and I, I know you get it three times a day. What has that conversation been like? Has there been any conversation, but more importantly, you personally, on like a, a, a physical level, on a spiritual level, on a family level, would you even be wanting that type of responsibility? Would you be prepared for that? Uh, what's your gut say? Yeah, so I'm not going to go into this out of respect to you know, President Trump and his ability to lead, going to go into our, in any conversations or anything like that. But I will say this is there's many ways to drive change in this country. But the person who leads the executive branch deserves to actually make those decisions for himself. So I think what matters much less is my gut. 
I think the gut of the person who's actually setting his vision for his next administration, that's what matters most. Because if some way, you know, whoever's in that spot, but it wasn't quite the right fit, but you did it because you thought it was going to be more electorally successful or whatever, no, that's not going to work. So I think that part of the mistake is we've, with the exception of Trump, mostly had presidents who didn't actually run the executive branch. Mm. They themselves were puppets. I think what's unique about Donald Trump is he is going to be a president who actually runs the branch of government that he's elected to run. And that means these decisions should be made exclusively by him. And I think the VP is not the only important decision that he's going to have to make when it comes to staffing this next administration. Every cabinet position, it's not just the cabinet positions. It's even positions, certainly ones that I'm not going to be the person to take, but are really important. Who runs the Office of Personnel Management? Who runs personnel selection at the White House? Who runs the Office of Management and Budget, the budgeting process, at a moment worth $34 trillion in the hole? And so I think, you know, if you're in the news media or if in the context of obviously the VP selection is the next big selection, there's a temptation to latch on to that. I think that's an important position. I think that there are many important positions. And so my commitment is I'm going to do whatever I can maximally do to have a positive impact on this country and respect the decision that Donald Trump makes and how he wants to run that administration. And whatever form that takes, I'm ready for it. That's my honest answer for you. I, th I think I speak for everyone in this room that regardless of whatever position that you have, we all want you to fire at least 50% of the federal government. Let's up that a little bit. We're shooting for 75. Yeah, where we're going. he's shooting for yeah. He says we're shooting for 75. Yeah. Come on. And that's why we live in a 1776 moment right now. Right? It only took a few people at our founding. I mean, it was, you know, a room full of people, fewer than the number of people in this room, who wrote the plan, the operating manual, it's called the U.S. Constitution, at the Constitutional Convention in 89, that set into motion a country that 250 years later is still the greatest country known to all of mankind. And so it doesn't take that many of us, but it takes a few of us at least willing to step up and actually get it right. That's the moment we live in right now. So thank you. <laughs> I promise you, I'm not paying them, but they <laughs> guys were the guys were young too. The founders were young. were young. I'm 37. Those guys were younger than me. Jefferson was 33 when you were younger than both of us. You're younger than me. I'm 38. Jefferson was 33, wrote the Declaration, invented the swivel chair. He actually invented an early version of the polygraph test, believe it or not. Thomas Jefferson did. Not a lot of people know that. Yeah. So these guys, they were, they, you know, today, what would you say? A guy who's writing the Declaration of Independence, but also says, hey, I'm, I feel a little tired the way I'm sitting around in one chair. I want to invent a swivel chair. <laughs> you say, you're not an expert. You didn't get a degree in swivel chair engineering at a four years in college debt or whatever. So you can't do that. Shut up. Sit down. Do as you're told. That's what we teach people today. We just got to break the boundaries, man. We have this class of this culture of expertise that didn't exist in our founding. Right? These guys believe that if you want to figure out something and do it, you figure out and do it. Robert Livingston, actually, he was, he was actually an ambassador to France, part-time inventing one of the key components of the steamship. We wouldn't have ever had the steamship if it wasn't for Robert Livingston, who was one of the co-signers of the Declaration of Independence, who was an ambassador to France who did it as a part-time hobby. And so I think we want that culture of people who 
tinker in their garages a little bit, right? While working at an insurance company or whatever one does during the day. And I think that that's part of that inner animal spirit that we've lost in this country, but it's not permanently lost. It's just been tamed a little bit, right? That inner sheep has taken over and the inner lion, in, I would say the inner lion has gone dormant. And I think we just need to wake up that inner lion, that inner animal spirit. That's what Make America Great Again is all about. It's not just about the country. It's about the spirit, the American that resides in each of us. And, you know, I think it starts with Donald Trump, but it ends with you. That's who it starts with. Is that going to be your next slogan when you run for president? Awaken your inner, inner animal spirits. <laughs> come on. Come, America. Hark. Awaken your inner animal spirit. Who would be down with that? I would totally be down with that. <laughs> so, so you're talking about entrepreneurship. You're an entrepreneur. Donald Trump's an entrepreneur. Elon Musk is an entrepreneur. Elon Musk is one of those guys who knows what a broken, failed society looks like because he came from one and who immigrated here. Yeah. And has now uh, become the richest man in the world based on American principles and the and what this country could give to him. Yep. And that, and you know you know Elon very well. He communicates with you, talks to you, talks about you publicly. You do spaces together on X. Uh, tell us about Elon. Yeah. He's sort of like his his where he's gone from being very politically agnostic, I would say, yeah. to suddenly being like super based mm -hmm. uh, and just very common sense, right? Yeah. Um, still doesn't seem like a party man. He's just like, this is what's happening in the world. And how do we get more of that, right? How do we bring Elon more onto the field? So he's, he's the, he's the kind like of guy who, he's the closest thing I've met to a founding father in today's environment. Wow. Actually. Yeah. Wow. I actually believe that as I've gotten to know him. He just doesn't believe in constraints, right? And, and I think that that's part of what you know, what, why he and I, I think, have gelled really well together, but he's, what he's achieved at a scale that, that's, that's far beyond even what I've achieved, it's part of that spirit of just believing that whatever's necessary is possible, right? If it's necessary, then humankind's going to figure out a way to get there. And there's two kinds of problems that one might tackle, okay? There's problems of nature. A lot of those are the problems that Elon's tackling. You know, how do you actually get a vehicle from here to Mars? Call it what you want. How do you actually solve some of the great, greatest problems with respect? It's not Elon, but nuclear fusion. That's something that actually could be important to the future of this country. Problems of nature are tough nuts to crack. And sometimes we get them and sometimes we don't. But the problems we're talking about tackling are actually man-made problems. Mm. And every man-made problem has a man-made solution. Mm. And so I think part of the role of the guys like Elon is, you know, I don't, I don't think he should be the president. He won't be the president. He wasn't born in this country. And I don't think he wants to be the president. But it brings me back to the point. It's not president or vice president or whatever. Everybody has their own unique God-given gifts to give, awarded to them by God. And everyone has their role to play in reviving this country. And I think Elon's role, as I see it, and he's already doing, I think he's really coming into his own. And I think his best days and best years are still ahead of him, is to provide that founding spirit and inspiration that just because somebody told you at an early age of your life that you couldn't do something has nothing to do with whether or not you're actually going to do it. And he was going to succeed at some of his challenges and he's going to fail at some of his challenges because he's taken on problems of nature. But if he can do that, then we have no excuse not to tackle the man-made problems in our own government and our own country right here at home. And those are the problems I'm taking on. Yeah. They're giving me the sign. Are you red-pilling Elon Musk? 
you know, we're having good conversations, is what I would say. We have, we have good exchanges. And he's, and like I said, compared to the problems he's solving, the only, he's the one person who pushed me. Most people say I want to cut 75% of the federal government and they say you're crazy. Elon also says you're crazy. He says that's not enough, right? And so I think that that's the direction that people like me need to be pushed. And so I'm grateful for him on that. And, and you know what? I think that I'm much more interested. I'm less interested even in the current Elon Musk, much as I love him. I want to find the next Elon Musk or the next five or the next 10 in this country and create the space for them to spread their wings. That's how we get this country back. So about to drag me out of here, I think. So final question, because it's important, it's important to put a marker down and say that you actually have accomplished a very important firing. Because Ronna McDaniel is going to apparently resign after the South Carolina primaries. And the first person to publicly call for that from the RNC stage was Vivek. Thank you, guys. And so before, before we get to 75% of the federal government, the guy's already fired someone that we all wanted to lose our job. Thank you. That's pretty based. Uh, parting messages to Rana, but more importantly, I mean, more importantly, all that salt aside, yeah. uh, the future of the Republican Party. Mm. How do we fix it? What is that future? What does it look like? Uh, because you're going to be there to help craft it. Right. So I think we as a Republican Party have grown lazy. And I don't just mean lazy in the Rana McDaniel sense of lazy, though that applies too. But... I mean lazy in a deeper sense of defining who we even are and what we actually stand for. We cannot anymore just be running from something. We have got to be running to something. And the left is very good at this. You got to give credit where credit's due. They'll give you a vision. It's not the right vision, but they'll give you something. Race, gender, sexuality, climate. And we're sitting here criticizing that vision without offering an alternative vision of our own, right? What do we stand for? Individual, family, nation, four-letter word called God, right? I think that beats race, gender, sexuality, and climate if we have the courage to stand for something. And so that's what I'm leading us to. That's what Donald Trump is leading us to. The people we elect to run the government should run the government. They owe a moral duty to the citizens of this country. Public service is about serving the public, not yourself. And national pride, nationalism, I'll say it, doesn't have to be a bad word when it's grounded on the greatest ideals of a nation known to man. That's what we stand for as Republicans. And with that, we're going to dominate this thing. So that's where I'm at. Thank you guys for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Vivek Russell. Lively event. Vivek had to fly, but we stuck around to speak with some of our guests who may have had an adult soda or two. But man, were they ready to spit on Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, and the state of the race in South Carolina. Who's your pick for VP? 
It's Vivek. I'm here. Yeah, exactly. God, I hope it's Vivek. I've been watching him too. I called it last summer. I was like, it's got to be Vivek. It has to be. That's the only choice. He has the same energy. He he thinks the same way. He's America first, and that's what we need right now. We don't need anyone that has any backdoor, you know, little deals going on that's gonna stab anybody in the back. I love the energy here. Vic is the VP, no doubt. I, I feel it in my bones. I'll tell you, uh, Ramaswamy has excited me tonight because of his energy. I was the only guy yelling, 12 more years, 12 more years, and I was hoping we would all pick up on it. Four years vice president, eight years as president. I'll take that. Hopefully, hopefully the vet. Hopefully the vet. I, I'm, I'm, I'm younger, so obviously younger dynamic. So, uh, but I mean, I think that Trump and whoever he'll pick. So, we'll see. How big is the enthusiasm for Trump in 2024? Oh my God, it's bigger than I've ever seen it before. You know, the amount of Democrats that are switching over to, you know, be an R. You know, the amount of even independents that are like, you know, this is the only way that we can go. Um, it, it's, it, it has to be huge because if it's not huge and they don't, they're not voting from the mountaintops, then we're going to lose everything. We have no other choice. I think those that have felt abandoned by the promises of the last administration are going to uh, support him like no other. I think people are starting to, the, the tides are turning. The vast majority are going to vote for Trump. So at least that's what we're hearing constantly because we do talk about this stuff because obviously living in college, everything's really expensive right now. Every time we go to the grocery store, we're dropping 40 bucks for food. So everything's really expensive right now and it's really frustrating. Yeah, I think it's off the chart. I think it's more than we've ever seen. I mean, just tonight, this small room, my ears were pounding and I was loving it. it. Must have been maybe 150 people here tonight. And it was incredible. And you see that everywhere. Nikki Haley gave a speech recently at 12 o'clock yesterday, the state of the race. There was no enthusiasm. She was reading a teleprompter. You could tell she was just saying the same thing she's been saying for months. And I actually saw Nikki Haley being tired of hearing herself say the same thing. That's why I refuse to quit. South Carolina will vote on Saturday. But on Sunday, I'll still be running for president. What do you think about Nikki Haley staying in? I think that she's an embarrassment. I think that um, she, there's obviously some other ploy going on. Um, could have to do with election fraud. I mean, we already know she's bought off, so, you know, I mean, there's many possibilities, but the fact that she won't step down when she knows she doesn't have a chance, there's something else in the wings waiting. you got to think of a way to tell people you're still in the race that gets people to jump up out of their seats. And she just sat there and said, some people think I'm calling this conference to say I'm dropping out. Well, I'm not. That's, that's not excitement. There was no enthusiasm there. I often say that we need to create a movement that's kind of like a party, right? It's called a political party, but is it ever treated like a party? It should be a place where you want to have fun with your friends, where you want to have a beer, where you want to like hang out a little bit, have a laugh, maybe talk a little and talk some serious topics. And that's what tonight was. This was an actual party. It happened to be political. It was a political party. And we need more of it in America. I think we'd have a better country actually if we did more of this. So expect more from us right here in the arena. See ya.